Hey everybody, welcome into the MLB Extras Nationals podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Nationals reporter Jamal Collier. Jamal, we're going to talk about the bullpen as we continue to go around the horn with the Nationals getting ready for spring training. So we'll talk about who fits into what slots as far as the relievers go. But before we get to that, it is Hall of Fame week. The new class of 2019 was announced on Tuesday. They met the media on Wednesday in New York City. It's a great class um, with some great pitchers when you talk about uh, Roy Halladay, Mariano Rivera, Mike Mussina, and then, of course, the one batter, Edgar Martinez. But it made me think, how close to being a Hall of Famer is Max Scherzer when you look at the Washington Nationals? And you look at the numbers, and, and obviously, the, when you're a Hall of Famer, generally, you need a really good peak, and then you need some sort of longevity. I think Scherzer is taking care of the peak. He's 159-82, and 82, three Cy Young, six-time All-Star. He's thrown 200 innings in six straight seasons. That's covered, right? I mean, now it's just a matter of him continuing to pitch. Yeah, well, first of all, Tim, let me say, I, I really like the Hall of Fame season. And I think, you know, as much as uh, it's kind of become crowded and, 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 and such, you know, before the announcement actually happens, um, to see the guys that got in, and it's a really cool class. Uh, and it's something that I've kind of thought about over the last year or so, really, and over really the last couple of years watching Max, uh, thinking about the case that, you know, every fifth day or so, I'm, I'm watching a guy who's really building a strong Hall of Fame case. And it's just kind of something that I, I often stop to think about and kind of make sure I enjoy um you know, in, in this profession, because you always can, always can get kind of lost and, and caught up in a lot of different things. But, you know, it truly is special just what Max has done. I wrote about this uh, last year and actually around Hall of Fame time, uh, just because, you know, Max had, had won his, his, uh, his third Cy Young, second straight, and, you know, the, the, the class of guys who have, have won uh, at least three straight Cy Youngs, you know, is Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton, uh, Greg Maddox, Sandy Koufax, Pedro Martinez, Jim Palmer, Tom Seaver, Clayton Kershaw. And that's just simply a who's who of, <laughs> of the best pitchers in you know in the history of the game. All of which are Hall of Fame bound or in the Hall of Fame, I should say, except for Kershaw, who obviously is still pitching, and, and Roger Clemens for other reasons. And I think that you know that right there makes Max a, 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 an all but lock, you know, to make it just because he has that kind of accolades. And I think that you're right, just the peak that he's had. And, and, and actually, since I've written this article, all he's done is went out and had another year where he struck out 300 guys <laughs> and finished second in the Cy Young Award uh, again. So you know, you, you said it, the peak is, is there. Um, he's, he's got the, the the peak years from really the last stretch of the five or six seasons, whatever it's kind of been, where he's just been, you know, the one of the the head, you know, two or three most dominant pitchers probably in, in baseball over that span. You know, him, Kershaw, Verlander are probably going to be the pitchers this of this starting pitching wise, at least of this generation. So it's becoming harder and harder to figure out exactly who is a Hall of Famer with starting pitchers because the old things like 300 wins or or whatever, like the, some of those are, are just not going to happen anymore um, just because pitchers are throwing different innings. And it's, it's funny. I mean, we actually had a conversation with Max um, who reached his 150th win last season, uh, I believe uh, maybe mid, mid, somewhere mid last season. And I joked him and said, can you imagine it's, you know, where you are right now and Max is 35 and you had to get 150 more of these. <laughs> and he kind of just laughed and said, I just have no idea anybody ever did it. And, and uh, you know, that, that's all I'll say around about it. Say that I think that Max is certainly just building as, as, as good a, and as strong of a case as anybody um, in this modern era. And as even it becomes more and more difficult to say, okay, this pitcher was a starting pitcher. Uh, this starting pitcher was a Hall of Famer. I think Max is 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 pretty on the nose that you know unless something catastrophic happened over you know, really start you know starting now the next couple of seasons, uh, he's in all but a lock. 
Yeah, it seems like 200 wins is kind of the new 300 wins as far as being able to get to it. One thing I think that stands out about Max as well, and I was part of the ride along from the press conference to MLB Network on Wednesday with these guys, got to talk to them a little bit away from all the other cameras. And Mike Mussina kept going back to the fact that they don't let starters pitch anymore and they pull everybody after five innings and they have these openers. And he was uh, somewhat just... It bothered him to a degree. You could tell that the pitchers don't go deep into games anymore. And he talked a lot about what Roy Halladay was able to do. And, and as far as that goes and finishing games and Scherzer is one of the few guys left that I feel like when he goes out there, you at least are thinking there's a chance this guy goes nine tonight. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's still a, a mentality that he has. And a lot of guys still come into it that way. They want to go in as long as they can to take the ball, take the ball out of their hand. But you know, the, 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 the way Max has been able to do it and the way that, like you said, has been 200 innings every single year. And, and even he spent some time with the DL a couple of years ago, and he still got to that mark. And, he, and the way he just, you know, when he gets locked in and when he gets late in those games, it, it's his game. And he's just not willing to come out of the game. It, it matches up a lot of things that growing up and reading, you heard about those guys. You heard about, um, you know, guys that put into, you know, Roy Holiday, Roy Holiday or the classes, you know, in the Hall of Fame in the last couple of years. Just guys who just really were um, – you know, it, it almost seemed like there was a second gear to them, even when it got late in the game, that they still turned it on, you know, found a second a second win and a second, um, you know, just a sense of stamina to be able to go through the lineup a third and fourth time. And as we hear so much about that, it's just, you know, again, that's what separates the, the, the special, special pitchers, you know, from the rest is the guys who you can trust and you can put on the mound for that and say that they've got to beat him. And, uh, you know, so often Max is, is, is kind of gets better and better as it can use to go, you know, can use to go um, as the game progresses. All right, let's transition to the guys who will come into the game if Max can't go nine innings in 2019. That is the bullpen for this Nationals team. And um, first, they've done some work to the bullpen, and they did their work early on. But is there still work to do? Jamal, do they still need to go out and get one more lefty before spring training? Yeah, I wrote about this this week, and um, I think so. You know, I think that on one hand, they signed Vidal Nuno. Uh, who had a pretty good short stint with the Rays, uh, pretty good ERA, you know, some underlying numbers there, kind of suggest some regression, but, you know, he was solid for the Rays last season. I think that he's a solid guy to have in camp to kind of help it in depth. I mean, the thing I kind of noticed when we look at their 40-man roster is they just don't have a whole lot of guys who throw their left hand. You know, Patrick Corbin's their only starter in the whole, in the whole roster. They've got, uh, you know, Sean Doodle is a lefty, but he kind of doesn't count just because he's the closer and, and doesn't and is going to pitch outside of the ninth inning. Uh, you look at it, and you really only have Matt Grace and Sam Solis. And Matt Grace is coming off a really, really good year and a, and a breakout season for him. But, um, you know, he's not uh, – it doesn't miss a whole lot of bats. And it's kind of difficult to, to rely on him to be your number one lefty out of the pen uh, in this in this era. And I think that, you know, again, if the fact that – I'm going to say this, that I don't think they're going to sign another lefty. And I think it's because they have a lot of – Faith in Sammy Solis still. And Solis, you know, by every account, just had a, an awful, nightmarish, forgettable 2018 season. And, you know, a lot of that, um, you know, they still think they, there's something in there. They still think that the guy that, you know, the first two months of the year, really before he was probably a victim of a little bit of overuse, Solis was still really, really good at an ERA around three-ish. Um, strikeouts were up. He still walked too many guys. But, you know, he was kind of their their first and, and best option out of the pen. And then he kind of broke down as the season went on and got hurt and, you know, start walking guys and giving up homers and just really kind of never found it again. So, um, you know, that's all to say. I, it feels like this bullpen is probably still one reliever short from just being really, really, really good. 
and I think that the luxury the Nats have is that that's the easiest thing to, to add at the deadline or add at some point during the season. Um, and even, you know, before we get to spring training, I think that especially if the, if the market continues to freeze as it is, um, you maybe see a reliever that kind of falls to them and they can just kind of find somebody that, that uh, you know, on a good value contract. But, you know, right now I think that, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of trust, a lot of belief in Sammy Solis. And that's why I think that, you know, from the left side particularly, they feel pretty comfortable where they are because they think Solis is due for a pretty big bounce back. And that almost will count as their kind of addition um, as opposed to going out and getting somebody. All right, let's jump to the back and the closer position. Sean Doolittle was so good last year early on. Maybe the best closer in baseball over the first half. Um, Then injuries caught up with him a little bit. Um, what's the confidence level that he can get back to that in 2019? Uh, pretty high. I mean, this is this is a, you know, a rare time for the Nationals the last couple of years. And I think that everybody <laughs> in the front office of the organization probably just, just you know, grieve a sigh or leave and probably would give Sean Doolittle a hug because um, the closer was such a it was such a volatile position and such a just uncertain position for the Nationals for so long. I mean, how many how many uh, you remember that offseason where we talked for like every single day about who's going to be their closer? <laughs> Are they going to go get a closer? And, and, and uh, you know, at the trade deadline, it's always, well, they're going to go trade for a closer. And I think to finally just have that position squared away, settled, and not have to worry about it, it's just been a, a you know, just a, a kind of weight off their shoulders the last couple of years. You know, still adding to the bullpen is, a, is, a, is an issue, and they want to make sure their back end has been good, and, and they know how important it is. But to at least have that one guy who, you know, Doolittle had the foot injury last year, which was ended up becoming really, really weird because he thought it would, you know, sideline him for maybe 10 days or two weeks. And he ended up missing, I think, like two months. And I think that, you know, to 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 get him back on the mound, he says there's no issues with it anymore. And he's, he's been able to kind of go and, and pitch that last month. It was still pretty good um, to have a regular offseason. He should be good to go. And, you know, you should expect all-star stuff still from him. He was, was really, really good last year. And, um, I, you know, would have put the exact one seven or whatever it was that he you know had last season. Maybe not. But, you know, he, he's as good as reliable. And, and I think they have no worries about him. All right, I mentioned that they did their work early as far as filling out this bullpen. Um, Kyle Baraclaw, they got from the Marlins a million dollars in international slot money for him. And then before October was over, they had already signed Trevor Rosenthal. Um, He's obviously a bounce-back guy coming off the big injury and surgery and rehab. Um, Where do those two guys kind of fit in in front of Doolittle? Yeah, I think I think Trevor Rosenthal is the one that they're going to count as as kind of their primary setup, man. I mean, you know, from all accounts – from people who saw him throw through in his short showcase or people who have, uh, you know, just kind of seen him work out over the past, you know, year or so after the Tommy John, um, you know, he looks really good. And I think that he can get back to the form that he was at kind of pre-Tommy John surgery when he was one of the best closers in baseball with the Cardinals and a late inning option for them. Um, so they feel pretty good about him. And I think, you know, there's going to be probably some maintenance with him early and kind of making sure that they ease him back into things. But, you know, he's pretty far removed from his Tommy John surgery. I, I want to say it's almost 18 months or so. I, I don't remember the exact number, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, they think he should be good to go. And they kind of expect him to slide in, you know, right in front of Doolittle. Um, I think Bear Claw is a little bit more uh, versatile and volatile last year. I think, his, you know, his ERA rose a little bit. And, you know, there were some issues they may want to iron out. But um, they, they envision him as being a kind of a back-end guy as well. Um, I think, you know, this has a chance to be a pretty good bullpen. And I think that, you know, it's like I said, it still feels like they need one more reliever um, just to really kind of know for sure. 
um, because there is some guys here, like you said, with, with Rosenthal and with Bearclaw, who have had their had some ups and downs and are not sure sure things, but you know they, they do feel pretty confident about both of those guys, and I think that um, that that is that confidence is well placed. I think that Rosenthal you know should be pretty good to go after his surgery, and and Bearclaw should give you something, especially if you can kind of have him work in the, the, the kind of seventh inning and match him up against some guys with your lefty um, that, you know, that, again, if they feel good about this pair, kind of replacing Brandon Kensler and Ryan Matson from the last year and a half with these two guys. And I think that they've got a chance to, to have a still a really, really strong pen. All right. And then you look at the rest of the names. Coda Glover's a yeah. guy that it's at one point, the Nats thought had closer stuff. There's Mac race, Justin Miller, are there other now? Are those the three main guys you see as as the yeah. other key cogs in this bullpen? Yeah, and that's funny. I didn't, you know, Cody Glover is a guy again who they've just had such high hopes for the last couple of years, and kind of he's kind of bounced around being healthy. I think if he can stay together, especially if he can, if, especially if he can stay healthy, and they can kind of reduce his role and ease him in, and not have to kind of burn him out and throw him into closing situations right away, I think they feel pretty good about you know what they could have with him late. Uh, in the year, if they can keep him on the mound every you know, and, and out of the pen. Um, so yeah, I think those are the big three guys. I think Wander Suero is probably in the mix there as well. Um, they like what they got from him a lot, and they like that they can use him for multiple innings or, or you know four outs or whatever it might be uh, to kind of get them through stuff, and they kind of don't have that perfect swing man or long man or anything like that. So I think that Wander Suero is probably also likely to be in his pen. So, yeah, I mean, they've got some guys who, who, who they like, and they've got some guys also who are going to have options and, and some flexibility. That was a problem last year is when they started, you know, running some guys out there and they, their arms got tired and such. They couldn't send anybody down to AAA and get fresh arms in. I think that they have a little bit more roster flexibility this year, and that's going to also aid them. So, you know, overall, I think that, again, that this pen um, – has a chance. They've got to hit some things. Magrath's got to repeat his year. Justin Miller kind of came out of nowhere, and he's got to kind of repeat that. Uh, you know, same with Wander Suero, who they feel pretty good about. These guys have got to – they had some building blocks last year. They've got to kind of build off that and repeat it. Um, you know, but if all those guys hit and continue to kind of improve, it's going to be a really, really good pick. Yeah, certainly the potential is there. The rotation should be great. The bullpen could be good as well. We'll continue our look around the horn as far as this roster goes between now and spring training. We did not get into Bryce Harper this week because it's really just the same old, same old Jamal. So I figured people want to hear other things, but we will continue to monitor that market as well and see if Bryce Harper ends up leaving D.C. or returning and signing again with the Nationals. So keep tuned in to this podcast as the offseason continues. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal Collier. I'm there at MOB underscore McMaster. This podcast, all of our podcasts can be found at MOB.com backslash podcast. Also on Apple Podcast and Google Play. For Jamal Collier, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.